Yeah, it's all poppycock. None of this matters. Now, unless you've somehow been Amish for the last few years, which, you know, technically some people have been, it's been impossible to ignore the Snyder Cut movement. I mean, hell, I've written several times about it on the Poppycock website. It's an interesting turn of events. It's got betrayal, uh, loss, pain. Um, it's got a real underdog vibe to it, and it just it, it ends, so far anyway, with uh, like a victory, you know, a redemption, a chance to set things right, to do it the right way, to to do what you couldn't before. And I think, who doesn't relate to that? Who doesn't think, man, if I could go back to high school or middle school and just start from there knowing what I know and do it right this time? Ugh, the things I would do right. Well, while you don't have a time machine, you might have HBO Max, which will allow you to watch the Snyder Cut. And it's an interesting beast because it seems to divide a lot of people. And I know that within the movement, which, by the way, has raised... Uh, over $500,000 for suicide prevention and awareness campaigns, which is pretty substantial. I mean, it's a lot to me, anyway. Maybe to some of you listeners, you're like, uh, I got that in my wallet right now. Good for you. Why don't you support the show? Anyway, what can I say? I want to buy that new Bronco. So, people... I know that there are some negative people in there, though, too. People who nonstop... It's like K-pop fans, which I know that not all K-pop fans are annoying, but as far as internet personalities go, they're about as copy-and-paste ignorant and stupid as you can get, where you can be like, my grandma had cancer and she's getting better, and they'll respond with a gif of a K-pop person singing or dancing and be like, wow, that's crazy. I'm like the hell does that have to do with my grandma's cancer? Are you showing me an actual image of cancer? Is that what you associate this with? In which case, maybe there is a connection. But I don't think that's what you're doing. I think you just are like a poorly written character that has stepped somehow into the three-dimensional reality that I exist in, and you aren't programmed to have a personality outside of this one thing. And it's a problem. There are people like that with football teams. You can be like, wow... Uh, it looks like the Chiefs are going to have a hard time after their quarterback had a pretty bad concussion. They're like, this is the year for the Cowboys. We're going to win. You're like, no, you're not. Look at your team. What's wrong with you? That's the nice version of what I usually say uh, to myself, and then usually my wife glares at me. Sorry to my brother-in-law who likes the Cowboys. Don't worry. The Dolphins didn't do well this year either. So better than last year. Better than last year. Um, They better not trade to it. Let's not go down that route, though. I know that there are people online that are toxic and they adopt the flag of the Snyder Cut. I think it happens. People look for tribes. They look for a cause. They look for something to rally behind, a tribe to be part of. It's natural. It's a survival instinct. That's how early man survived, by forming tribes, surviving against the wilderness, uh, scavenging for food, hunting animals that would normally have bested them. It's the best path for survival. Um, Unfortunately, it also attracts... um, big personalities who who can then ruin your experience with that. I mean, I used to be a Broncos fan, and the platoon I was in had some of the most obnoxious Broncos fans I'd ever met in my life, and they were so annoying. They ruined football for me for like five years, maybe longer. Let's see, about 2014. I didn't get back into it until about 2020. So yeah, uh, about six years. It's not great. It's, it's just not fun for anyone. So I can understand why people wouldn't like it. It's a divisive thing. However... 
I do think it's important to kind of look at it as just like, look, this is like an, a, a creative mind who gets to finish what he wanted. And I want to mention this, the air cut and the HBO Max simultaneous release at theaters and, and, uh, and on HBO Max as well. It's got some ruffled feathers, and they're all very specific experiences. So I guess I want to real quick say that the Snyder Cut is basically Snyder's pitch for the Justice League. Some of it, like the design for Steppenwolf, the big Viking-looking guy with an axe. Uh, those ideas, the studio said, no, you can't make him look like a big, uh, spiky Transformer. Now that he's been given full creative control, he's allowed to go back and do what was originally said no to. He's allowed to add in scenes that they originally had said he shouldn't keep in the movie. He doesn't have to cut them out. He can keep them in. And in fact, he's only filmed, I think, between five and ten extra scenes. And I think some of it was just adding in new dialogue um, and some things like Martian Manhunter. I don't know if he was originally going to make the cut, and he is in this now. uh, Played by an actor who's been in it since Man of Steel. He's been in the franchise. Uh, Unlike Lawrence Fishburne, who jumped ship to be an Ant-Man, which is... Kind of a lateral move, honestly. Like Paul Rudd's great, Michael Douglas is great. I just it's a weird choice. Um a Marvel money though, I guess. Actually no, they're pretty cheap when it comes to I don't know why you would do that. Oh well. His daughter's a porn star. He's got a lot going on in his life. I'm not here to judge. So good in Hannibal though. It's good in Hannibal. Can't grow a soul patch. That's a fake soul patch when you watch Hannibal. It's a prop soul patch. It's one of the few parts of my body that Gross full hair is, is right there in the soul patch area. So if I was, uh, if it was about 20 years in the past, I'd look super cool. I wouldn't look cool, but at least I'd fit in. Um, so that's, the Snyder Cut is a restoration of like the, the first draft of what he wanted to do before they got studio notes, before there was time constraints and all this stuff. And originally they discussed chopping it into chapters. Um, but it looks like it's going to release as a full four hour roughly movie. And I don't know, I think I brought this up in the last episode, but um, The Irishman is like one of the only movies I know of that's that long. And don't get me wrong, it's incredibly well directed. The cinematography is great. The story is compelling. The acting is phenomenal. The effects are pretty good. Uh, I I was glued to it the whole time. I was I was looking at my screen from start to finish, being like, wow. I guess I like Scorsese mob movies. I didn't know that was something that was in my like Rolodex of taste, but here it is. And um, it's cool, but I don't know a lot of people that go out of their way to watch four-hour movies. And The Irishman, I think, is three hours and like 40 minutes or something like that. So it's not even a full four. So I would just I want to temper expectations with that because even if it's an incredible movie, and I think visually it's going to be on another level. I mean, I know they're having to redo a lot of effects, so the effects might kind of fall short, but I think the cinematography in it has always been spot on in Snyder films. Even if you don't like the Watchmen movie, it's visually very impressive. Man of Steel, impressive. Kind of wish they'd they'd, uh, ditched the Christopher Nolan weird uh, color filter thing they put on it, but whatever. Um, Batman vs. Superman, again, visually beautiful, and I will say the Ultimate Edition, also a good movie. Not necessarily the movie I would have made personally, but a good movie. Um, good story. And I'm fine with, with being confident because I'm excited for this. I think at the very least the com- comparison and, and contrasting of the theatrical, super edited Joss Whedon with a gun to his head, locked in a basement, told to rewrite a script using 
set pieces and actors and costumes and props that had been made for a totally separate movie, essentially. I mean, honestly, instead of the Snyder Cut, I wish they almost would have just released a movie, social network style, called, like, Death by a Thousand Cuts or something. And it's about the insane editing process and hiring process and disaster of making this, uh, the Justice League movie. I think that would be phenomenally entertaining. Uh, I think Louis C.K. would be a good Joss Whedon. He kind of got that creepy vibe, too. So when you think about how weirdly sexually inappropriate some of Joss Whedon's uh, early scripts were, I think it's a, a perfect fit. Um, plus, he's a ginger. So, you know what? Let's go Jim Gaffigan. Jim Gaffigan on that. Um, Frank Grillo, I think, looks a little bit like Zack Snyder. Anyway, we're not here to cast that. It's just, it's an interesting concept, and it's a four-hour movie, and I think it'll be cool, but I don't think it's, if, I don't think if you li- didn't like Batman vs. Superman Ultimate Edition, assuming you've seen it, it's on HBO Max, you should just watch it. Um, I don't think you're going to necessarily have your opinion changed, because this is going to be like, if you don't like Michael Bay movies, then watching another Michael Bay movie isn't going to make you suddenly like it. Michael Bay's made one good movie and one okay movie. That's 13 hours and the island in that order. Go ahead and watch them. Um, I cried watching 13 Hours, and um, it's got a young Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson in the island, which is also entertaining. Plus, uh, you get to see Jim from The Office in his first super shredded movie. Um, Good-looking guy. Big ears. I respect that. I got him, too. And uh, I think the four-hour time limit is... or time for the running time is going to do some stuff. But I'm also, it's it's so interesting because he's going to, I assume, use the original stuff from Jesse Eisenberg when they filmed because he shaved his head for that. But Joe Manganiello has come back and he has got a mohawk because he basically all, he had. I think he said at one point there were seven different projects with Deathstroke in them that he, Warner Brothers, and HBO Max were talking about and all of them one by one got shot down. And it was brutal for him. And by the way, this is a great time to add your fun fact of the episode. Joe Manganiello was Zack Snyder's first choice to play Superman in Man of Steel, but he had just started on True Blood, and they wouldn't let him out of his contract for that. So they went with Henry Cavill, who's an incredible actor. It really put him... I mean, he'd also... Henry Cavill had been in The Immortals right before that, which I think Zack Snyder either directed or produced. I know he had some uh, impact on it. So it makes sense. I only watched The Immortals while I was high at a dental office, and it was like an army dental office. So it was like a like a Bangladesh uh, rip of what of like the official DVD that someone had taken a third world country and brought. It's all they played there, and I watched it out of order while they were doing like oral stuff. That sounds wrong. While they were doing dental work to me. So I don't know if it sucks, but I remember thinking Henry Cavill was pretty shredded, and that Mickey Rourke was a weird choice for a villain. And that most of the costumes looked like a weird stage play. Anyway, I'm not going to get into the Immortals. I think it's interesting. It really rocketed. I mean, now he's been in Mission Impossible. He's been in The Witcher, which is you know a good show, good actor. Um, he really just needs to be James Bond. I know they're talking about Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's like the same age as Daniel Craig. I love Tom Hardy, but he'd be a better Bond villain. Sort of the, when uh, Pierce Brosnan went up against Sean Bean, you got that the bad Bond. Alternatively, I do think that Tom Hiddleston would do good. But we're not going to get into the Bond thing. What am I doing? It's The Snyder Cut is going to be the truest experience of a Snyder film. And if you don't like Snyder, you won't like it. But I think seeing Joe Manganiello come back and do something he's wanted to work on in a way that he's had time to really sit and gestate on and develop the character further. Uh, he's talked about 
his experience and what the original Ben Affleck Batman movie would have been. It was called The Batman back then, and it was written, directed, starring Ben Affleck, and uh, Deathstroke was essentially his rival instead of a clown, which is pretty cool. And we're seeing Jared Leto come back. And it'll be interesting to see a different director's take on a very controversial version of the Joker, although we also didn't really get to see the truest version of the Joker initially because it was so heavily edited again, um, this time by a com- people who cut commercials. They aren't film editors. They, they cut commercials, which is, I don't know, that's a weird call to make. Um, and that's another thing. People have now said release the Ayer cut, David Ayer, director of Suicide Squad. And I do think that his cut would be better because it would be hard for it to be worse. I do know that initially uh, it wasn't Enchantress's brother. It was a parademon, and she was working for Darkseid. It was going to tie in to Justice League, and they changed all that. But David Ayer also said that if he did it, he would want to go back and be like, I have more than a month to write a script. I already know what I would change. So he would actually do like a remaster, like a redo. Um, So... That's a different experience because Zach is essentially going back to a, the first like version that he wanted to make and getting to make it. David Ayer is like, well, I know what I would change. So it's a different experience. It's, I've seen it also. Um, they want to release the McG cut for Salvation because this whole thing has just become like herpes and everyone is spreading it to every franchise. And uh, because originally in Terminator Salvation, um, there were human hybrids. There was like a weird almost Fallout-style vault with these, the super elite 1% of the world that had escaped death by becoming these hybrid Terminators, and the Marcus and the hybrid Terminators had a different look, had a different story, um, which sort of gets touched on a little bit and cannibalized into the Salvation uh, graphic novels that take place after the film and really tie up together, finish the future war, and show what happens after whoever wins, wins. I'm not going to spoil it because it's genuinely great if you're a Terminator fan or just a, a fan of post-apocalypse or sci-fi or time travel storytelling, it does a really good job of handling all that. Um, all I'll say is, there's a serial killer ter- with a Terminator body at one point. And it's very interesting. Um, so I think it's important to distinguish though, between all these different, I want this cut, I want this cut. They're not all the same thing. This is a restoration of the design and the story that Zach and his wife had originally come up with, versus the air cut, which is restoring what he had, but also you know, he didn't get to film everything he wanted to, so he would have to film a lot, and he even has things he'd want to change because they gave him almost no time to write a script. So that dude got a, a he got shafted real bad. And with the McGee cut, there's a lot that wasn't even filmed. I know there was an alternate ending they wanted to film or maybe did where uh, John Connor wakes up having become a Terminator and he kills the Resistance and because he's a Terminator now. And I'm like, that's controversial, but it's ballsy. And it would have really pissed people off, but been kind of cool. Same way Terminator 3 is a terrible movie, but it ends with a pretty ballsy ending. I respect it. Real respect's real. What can I say? Um, I'm excited. I want Joe Manganiello to have his own Deathstroke series on HBO Max. I would love to see Ben Affleck show up in that too. Even just as Bruce Wayne. Don't even put him in the suit, you know? There's a, a lot that as a fan of these people and these properties, I'd like to see. But I also think it's important to temper your expectations. HBO Max, yeah, they're pumping out way more money. Like the new Superman and Lois show looks phenomenal. Better cinematography, better cameras, better script, better effects, better costuming. It's, it's genuinely impressive. And that's because HBO Max wants all of their CW DC properties 
to then, instead of going on Netflix right afterwards, come to HBO Max. So they're, they're really stepping up the production quality. They want to build a platform with enough content that it warrants earning your money. Because uh, I don't know if it's still available, but whenever I joined T-Mobile, they had a deal where they would pay for your Netflix. So I'm not paying for Netflix. So I have no problem with paying for a Disney Plus or because I don't really care about much that Disney Plus is doing. I can subscribe to it for like a month to watch The Mandalorian and then catch up on all the shows I missed. I really like it for National Geographic, if I'm being honest. It's some really good stuff. Jeff Goldblum uh, has a great show on it. Gordon Ramsay has a great show on it. It's good stuff. Big fan of Jeff Goldblum. And, uh, you know, they're trying to cultivate something that makes you want to spend your hard-earned money there. So they're, I could see them developing since Joe Manganiello has a, a big following from all the people who got thirsty for him during his... I don't know if he was a werewolf or a vampire. I've never seen True Blood. I assume werewolf. They all have very French names. I looked on IMDb. It's a lot of like... It's Jacques Calamont. And you're like, cool. What's his deal? Oh, he takes his shirt off and bangs a lot. I'm like, okay, that doesn't tell me if he's what type of supernatural entity that man is. This is confusing. Um, I mean, it's, it is confusing. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. If, if you like it, that's cool. I'm, maybe I'll watch a few episodes. I have HBO Max for a while. I'll watch it and see if it hooks me. You know, I think it's just probably softcore furry porn, but I've seen weirder things, so why not? Um, but I'm a big fan of Joe Manganiello. Loved him. I, he has funny stories. He's a nice guy. He does a spot-on Arnold impersonation. Has an insanely attractive and talented wife and is a huge Dungeons & Dragons nerd. That's just an interesting human being. I want to chart the direction his life goes because it's, it confuses me. Um, so I could see them funding some of that. I could see that they have, like, the people have the appetite for those stories. I could see almost like a Justice League uh, universe that's like the Snyderverse, that's like the DC Black Label. It's like the HBO, uh, it's Zack Snyder's version of things. And then DC mainstream can go more fluffy and light and happy and Aquaman and Wonder Woman. Although then people got mad because Wonder Woman was too happy and fun and silly and, like, that's it's okay. Well, pick pick one, pick a lane, and stick to it, buddy. Is it too sad or is it too happy? Make up your mind. I'm not getting into the Wonder Woman thing in this episode. Don't worry. Um, but it's it's an interesting time. I think people are too. They're either too excited or too angry about it. I think you just have to approach it like it's a movie. It's it's a million moving parts. It's special effects. It's editing. It's sound design. It's color uh, correction, and it's a million different aspects of a script and then filming some scenes in a pandemic and then getting actors back a year or so afterwards to come back and be a character again, to hop into the same costume or change the costume slightly. It's a truly unique viewing experience. And I, I encourage anyone, whether you love it or not to watch it just because it'll be something worth discussing. I think it'll be a conversation piece. One of those, it's like watching a documentary. You don't like, at least, you know, everyone's going to be talking about it. It's a big, it's going to have a cultural impact. They're making an official graphic novel adaption of it, which will probably be incredible. Because again, Snyder's visuals are always spot on. And I'm I'm happy, I'm excited, but I'm not gonna look like it's gonna it's not gonna be like Lord of the Rings, where it's gonna be some cinematic moment where like, oh my god. I mean it could be, but it's unlikely. Because it doesn't have the Tolkien level of appeal. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um let's move on to the final bit of this. The whole HBO Max 
moving to where they're going to release or Warner Brothers as a whole. Their their future release dates like uh, Godzilla and King Kong and uh, the Suicide Squad and obviously Wonder Woman uh, 1984 and a bunch of other movies. Uh, they'll release simultaneously at movie theaters and on HBO Max. And people are like, you're killing movie theaters by sharing this with HBO Max, to which I say they wouldn't have released those movies at all if they didn't have a way to also recoup extra cash on the HBO Max side. So do you want to share the release date with an online streaming service that a lot of people are like, I have Disney Plus, I have Netflix, I'm paying for both of those. I'm not paying another like $10, $15 a month to watch a movie. I'm going to just go see it in the movie theater. So they're going to go anyway. In fact, when I saw Tenet with my brother-in-law, it was during the pandemic. There were like three people total in there aside from us. Everyone was spread out. It, you could just lean to each other and talk and watch the movie. It was one of the best movie-watching experiences I've ever had at the theater. In fact, I wish I could have seen Blade Runner 2049 that way. Because when I saw that, there were a lot of loud, talkative people, and it wasn't very fun. So it's definitely worth going. And I think people who love seeing... I, there are some movies that just deserve to be seen that way. Like Dune... I will see in a movie theater, even if I have HBO Max, because that's the way a Denis Villeneuve movie is meant to be seen. It's the the man is an artist. For a dude with a French name, I actually respect him. Well done, sir. So I think that's going to work out either way. And of course, they're trying to recoup cash because they need money to keep people employed, whether they're making more movies or not. They need to. Do you want people to lose their jobs because companies run dry? And look, I believe in supporting movie theaters a ton. I believe in supporting small businesses. I love that. It keeps communities alive and vibrant and unique. And I've said it before that the movie watching experience at a drive-in movie theater, at a regular movie theater, it's just a classic part of American heritage. The same way as like as baseball and apple pie. And it's just, that's the way it is. It's American as hell. And I love it. And I don't want to live in a world that doesn't have that experience available because I want other people to grow up with that same love and nostalgia for going to the movie theater, paying too much for popcorn and drinks, sitting there trying to pee before the movie starts and hold it for the rest of the film. Like, it's just silly things that we love, you know? But it's like, look, I can either give you like a drip feed of financial stimulus through people coming to see movies there, because they will. Plus, you can also, I think, AMC or Cinemark will let you rent out for like two hours and play Halo on a movie theater screen, which is amazing, and I want to do it. Um, but I'm very busy right now, so I can't, which, uh, you know, and that sucks to be an adult sometimes. Um, I think it's just a really good way to help add. They can't just replay old movies. I know some people will still go see those because they just want to get out. I know I have that feeling all the time, uh, especially after having corona. Like, I still wear my mask, but I'm not scared of getting it because I already got it, you know? My body's like, hey, <laughs> it sucks, and... Me and my wife are going to do a whole episode about uh, what it's like, what it was like, because we had very different symptoms when we had it, and I've had different sy- symptoms since, because it can stay with you for up to six months, uh, as far as the after effects, that is, not being contagious. So I fully plan to go see these movies that I love, and that I, Kong and, and King Kong and Godzilla, I'm going to watch in a movie theater. That's, it deserves to be seen as large as possible the first time you see it. It's going to be a lot to soak up. Um, because I love both the Godzilla movies and I, uh, I didn't really like the wife in the second Godzilla movie. She was weird. Um, and I really liked, uh, Kong Skull Island. It's one of my favorite movies, period, just cause it's like a live action anime with Sam Jackson fighting a gorilla. That's 
I don't need to say anything else. That, that should sell you on it right there. Um, great music and cinematography, too. I just, it's silly that people are so upset about this, that people are like, HBO Max did something bad. No other movies re are really coming out to movie theaters. Like, it's small films. You got, like, that Tom Hanks uh, News of the World or whatever where he's transporting a girl through the Wild West. Uh, that weird fan fiction thing uh, of, like, a bunch of civil rights leaders all hung out together for a night and, like, talked about how important it is to be them, which is, like, really narcissistic, and I'm glad that never happened, like, those people did really good things, and they weren't going to just sit there and have a circle jerk about how incredible they are. And I think they knew that by what they were doing that they, what they were doing was important. Same way, you know, anyone in an important position in life is like, this is, I better bring my A game. This is something that's valuable to humanity. Um, so it's not, there's not a lot of big crowd drawing experiences at movie theaters right now. So yeah, having the Suicide Squad and the Batman and, uh, I don't know, whatever other like HBO Max releases come out there for people to go to. I don't think a lot of people are going to want to pay for uh, an extra subscription when times are tough. You're like, I can ex getting out of the house is an experience. Getting the kids out of the house, letting them go see a movie is some peace of mind. You know, it's like being freed from prison for a little bit. So I think people are going to still go see the movies. And at least this way, there are movies worth seeing. So I just... It's a bad situation, and it's a compromise, and people just have to accept that. And I think other people would do it, but they're waiting to see how well it works for Warner Brothers because they know they're going to catch flack. I don't want it to be the new normal. I think when society recoups and the pandemic is over, it better be over someday um, that people are going to be like, yeah, I'm going to go see a movie in the movie theater. I think people who don't care about the cinematic experience and already probably weren't going to movie theaters are going to be like, yeah, I'll just watch it on my phone but I'm not watching Dune on my phone the first time I see it, like some type of Neanderthal. It's a cinema... I, I'm not going to see James... Well, I'm probably not going to see James Bond ever. They keep delaying the mother... <sighs> getting mad, getting mad. It's okay. It's fine. I, Daniel Craig's going to die before they release this thing. Um, when I see No Time to Die, I'm going to see that in a movie theater because even if it sucks, and it might, but it's probably going to be good. I mean, his James Bond movies have generally been enjoyable, Casino Royale is, to this day, just a great movie. It holds up super well. Um, the technology is a little dated, you see the muse. Other than that, flawless. And, okay, I take that back. Also, anytime James Bond does anything uh, at the poker table, the guy turns to, uh, oh, I just lost her name, something green, uh, the actress that plays sort of the lead character of this, and, uh, and he's just like, oh, he has a full hand, oh, that's a royal flush. Like he's just explaining how poker works, as if the acting the people are doing can't tell you and inform you who's in a good position and who isn't. Um, also, ball torture scene with Mads Mikkelsen, iconic, right? No magic lasers there, just good old fashioned testicular mayhem. Which is probably why James Bond hasn't sired any children in future sexual exploits because his uh, eggs got scrambled. I think that people who want to see movies in movie theaters and were the main people going to see people or going to see movies at movie theaters with their friends and their families or just to see it on that screen, have the IMAX experience, the rumble seats, the popcorn, you know, that whole, it's like a small-scale Disneyland experience. I don't think those people are going to choose to do anything unless their health strictly prevents them from doing so. Um, and I think, yeah, I think you might lose maybe 30% of the sort of 
the big families and the people who lightly care about movies. They would go see a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie, but they might not go out and see the next Fast and Furious or, like, the next Scorsese movie or the next David Fincher film. You know, like, they, they're popcorn. They're pretty basic in their taste. I don't... I think you might lose those people. They might go to streaming services. But I also don't think a lot of them were maybe going to go see those movies anyway or would have really gone... It's those people that are like, I'd like to see a movie... Oh, the, mo- the movie theater is about 40 minutes away. I'll wait for it to come out on DVD. They're not... I mean, yeah, you're a real fan. I'm not going to tell anyone you can't like something the way that you like it. But they aren't the people who are going to be like, oh, well, I really want to go see that movie, which is something that me and a lot of the people I know, that's how we feel. We're like, oh, I'm so excited to see how this goes because we love a good story. We love a good escapism, a good journey, you know? And a lot of me and my friends are just astounded by what filmmakers can accomplish and trick you into believing truly happened in front of your eyes. It's incredible. So that's that's what I got to say. I think the Snyder Cut isn't going to change minds about Snyder. I would like to believe it would, but it's such an a different movie from what we got that it's... I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's a bummer that Ray Fisher is in it because he's clearly a douchebag, um, which sucks because he's not a bad actor. Um, and uh, I'm excited to see Jared Leto directed by Zack Snyder. I think that's going to be an interesting pairing because <laughs> I mean, Jared Leto has a cult on an island, and they call him father, and you have to pay money, and you'll get teachings from him. That's a cult. He's, he's like three Far Cry stories rolled into one. And uh, I think the David Ayer thing, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think maybe give him a comic book. There you go. That's, all, that's what I said with the Snyder Cut. You should just give him a comic book to say what he wanted to say. Not as expensive. Fans will buy it easy times i'm happy they went the other route for hbo max because it's a big draw it's a big thing to get people on their platform it's it's a smart move on their part um and i think the hbo max thing it caught a lot of flack but honestly i would say that giving someone a lunchable as a grown human being to survive off of as opposed to nothing at all like splitting your lunch with someone means that neither of you get as much food as you wanted but it also means you both had something to sustain you they're they're cutting their PB and J in half, and they're sharing, and they're surviving until this is over, and that's what we're all doing. And people are just—it's one of those aspects that people can be offended by and pissed off about. And I do know that some directors were sort of blindsided by this business decision, but I also don't think it would have been approved if you had to go to every artistic and creative big personality type and get them on board. They would have made a fuss. Ooh, sorry, hiccup. They would have made a fuss. They would have had a problem. Uh, and even if it did get all approved, it would have been leaked and people would have, you know, had their drama queen moment, which they all did inevitably anyway. But I think that, um, yeah, I don't think the way they maybe went about processing it was as smooth as it could have been, but I think the choice was the best choice to make at the time. You're allowed to believe differently, but I would just try to look at it from the other perspective and see if when you look that way, if it doesn't look like you kind of see what the people that were trying to accomplish something were doing. They're trying to keep uh food on the table they're trying to stay in business and they're trying to make sure that as many people are able to keep doing what they're doing as possible until things uh, become more manageable so yeah a very hbo max centric uh episode here of the poppycock podcast hope you enjoyed it again feel free to believe what you want think what you want that's why we love talking about movies and and stuff like this uh pop culture related things because they're subjective, they're opinion-based, so mean you can have different opinions, and neither one of us has to be wrong, because it's subjective. It's beautiful. It doesn't matter. 
So thanks for listening. We appreciate you spending your time. Uh, Hopefully this has helped you get through quarantine, a workout. Uh, Maybe you're cleaning the house. Maybe you're walking a dog. Maybe you're just walking around your house naked with nothing to do. Well, I'm glad my dulcet tones could keep you entertained. And uh, I don't know, maybe put some clothes on. It's a little weird. So thanks for listening. Uh, Stay safe. Stay sane. We'll see you in the next episode. Hopefully, the next episode will be the one where I have some more co-hosts. Assuming we don't all die of corona. I should be okay. I don't know about them. So, fingers crossed. Uh, Death can make scheduling people much more difficult.